1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co host. We want to thank you all for joining us today on the Housing Hour, and we're grateful for a variety of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is that we have an awesome show lined up for you today. Um, Mark and I went to the Emerald Youth Foundation breakfast, prayer breakfast, I guess it was a couple of about a month ago maybe i can't recall and um we uh had the opportunity to hear some speakers and and one of the ones that really the keynote speaker was a gentleman that we really were blown away with and um ballard hall is in studio with us today and he was that speaker so ballard we want to thank you for coming into the housing hour welcome
2: thank you appreciate it absolutely
1: we're glad you're here um, so we're going to hit on a lot of subjects, but what we're going to start with is just talk a little bit about um, yourself and some of the things that you talked about at the breakfast. And, you know, one of the things that I spoke to you off air just at the beginning about was when I look at your life and you're very transparent about your life and about what you do and what you've done, you um, First of all, you're you're a war hero, frankly, and that was one of the things that stood out to me. Um, Ballard was in uh, the military. He was a sergeant in the Marines for eight years from 2004 to 2012. Um, But you also have allowed yourself in your transparency to be hope to other people and part of your story has something to do with Emerald Youth Foundation because you found Emerald Youth, or maybe they found you. I, I can't recall. So if you don't mind, why don't you give us just a 30,000-foot view of Ballard? Growing up, I think you went to Fulton High School. That's correct. And, and tell us a little bit about that and, and how it is that you became a Florida fan as well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that, talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Right. Well, that you know, the Florida fan piece of it could actually really be a very intricate piece of the puzzle. And the reason why is because I figured (laughs) um, I'm not completely from here. Uh, I didn't even really live here full time until uh, about eighth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. And so before that, uh, you know, if you want that 30,000 foot view, what that looks like then is, um, like I said, at the Emerald Youth Breakfast, I went to a different grade school for every single grade from kindergarten until eighth grade. Um, And most of the reason why is because I was spent uh, traveling from uh, several states, Arizona, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida, uh, most of which I spent my time in Florida at a certain point in life. We just stopped moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my grandparents raised me for the most part. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom and, and her husband at the time uh, had my other siblings, but I was with my grandparents and um, wherever they was is where I went. And that's why I went to so many different schools mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of got trapped in the retirement travel life with them as an adolescent. So uh <laughs> At the time, it kind of sucked for me because I was like, you know, I just really wish I could stay somewhere. But, you know, as an adult now, I definitely look back and appreciate the uh, uh, the travels and the ability to, to have been so many places mm-hmm. um, as a kid. Uh, you know, a lot of kids, unfortunately, in, in my opinion anyways, um, they get stuck where they're from. And so they don't experience... Uh, you know, just something simple as traveling, Mm -hmm. uh, which can give you so much life experience as a young age that you don't necessarily realize then. But Mm -hmm. as you grow
1: up, you definitely get it after that. So you made it to Knoxville during your um, travels. And that was, I guess, in high school or junior high school? Yeah, it was in junior high.
2: About eighth grade is when I finally, uh, my granddad told me, he said, hey, you need to stay with your mom for, you know, a little bit of your life. She deserves some of that. And Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons as to why I wasn't being raised by her, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it got to the point where I was old enough, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old that, that he started having that conversation with me and said, hey, you know, um, you need to stay with her some, too, mm. and so I said, okay, you know, I really didn't want to, but I always respected him and, and said, well, I will if that's what you want, and uh, so I basically moved here full-time from Florida uh, and, and basically from eighth grade to the time I graduated high school, mm-hmm. I lived in
1: Knoxville. So when when you came up here, because I moved to Charlotte back when I was um, going into the seventh grade, and wow, what an enormous, like, culture shock for me. It was a whole new group of people. I had a bunch of friends back here in Knoxville, Oak Ridge. Um, Going to Charlotte, I had no friends. It it was difficult for, for a kid my age. How did you handle that? did you make friends quick or did you look to emerald youth immediately talk a little bit about that transition
2: right um so it, it's, it's kind of strange I, I don't even know that i would call it a transition in that even though i was living in other states with my grandparents during the summers or anytime there was a school break i was always here mm. so i had oh, okay. friends here that's i good. knew people here mm-hmm. my siblings were already here mm-hmm. um and so it was more of like a instead of a you know a temporary visit like it had been for those years coming back here um it just ended up well i'm just going to stay here now right. type of thing that was, was probably so helpful i would right. say so I, I didn't really find much adversity in in terms of having to stay here full time mm-hmm. other than the fact that i really didn't want to be
1: here right, i'd right. rather have been in florida sure. with my grandparents i think we'd all rather be in florida but <laughs> you know
2: going going fishing and doing the things that i was doing down there with my friends but uh uh Emerald came into play uh, right around eighth grade. Um, and like I said, at the breakfast, uh, it really—it it was really thrown at me, if you will, because academically I was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't really have that very pleasant type of childhood home life that a lot of kids take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very chaotic, a lot of uh, domestic abuse and things like this. Um, and so whenever I was at school, You know, I was like any other kid who might be growing up in that type of situation. I just didn't care about it uh, because I was too emotionally involved in other issues. Mm. And uh, so one of my teachers was like, hey, you know, there's this program they can tutor you. And, uh, you know, I was like, whatever, I don't want to be tutored. I don't (laughs) need tutoring. Um, But they kind of made me do it somehow. And uh, then it just turned into what it is today uh, where I ended up... uh, you know, saying, man, you know, this Emerald Youth Foundation is a great place. Mm. Um, you know, I was getting things there that I had never gotten before in terms of relationships, a uh, feeling of care from adults, mm. um, you know, just all, all kinds of new friends I was making. You know, we'd go out, we'd go bowling or swimming parties and, you know, things that you should be doing as a kid right. that otherwise I wasn't doing. Mm. And, uh, and so I said, well, you know, okay y'all don't have to make me go here anymore I'll do it on my (laughs) own now and uh whenever anything was available whether it was a Wednesday night thing a Saturday night thing you know obviously church on Sundays um anything whenever it was available I would you know I would go Mm. and uh, I would get you know physically upset actually if I wasn't (laughs) allowed to go right and um and so then my siblings started following me and uh, I I spoke a little bit about that at the breakfast Mm -hmm. um and uh so Nita Prevet uh solve the impact that I was not only having on my siblings in terms of leading them without really knowing that's what I was doing uh, but even some of the other kids in the neighborhood um I don't know why you know I'm not a very arrogant person I I don't even I don't even you know I don't want nobody to thank me for coming here today you know I just This. you know uh, this is how I am but for some reason these other kids in the neighborhood they they looked up to me for something Mm -hmm. and um I can only imagine maybe it's because they were living a similar life that I was in terms of their childhood. And, you know, I've always had this ability to kind of compartmentalize, you know, negative adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say negative adversity, you might say, well, that's a, well, that's a double negative. Mm-hmm. Well, to me it's not because there are such things as positive adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, I, I, it's, it's crazy we're talking about this because uh, about a week ago I started writing my book. Really? Mm. Um, wow I'm actually uh, in the process of writing a self-titled autobiography about um, positive adversity I don't think adversity has to be negative uh, I think it's all a matter of how you compartmentalize it and what you do with it that makes it negative or not mm. and so for some reason I've always had the ability even as a young child to say well this situation sucks so what am I gonna do with it even if I didn't have much control over it you know i mean there's some things as a kid you just no matter what you want
1: out of Mm -hmm. it you can't control it because the adults are making the decisions Mm -hmm. um i can relate your story a lot to inky johnson actually because he was faced with a lot of adversity and he took that adversity and mm -hmm. turned it into a positive so when you started going to the emerald youth foundation um, you know, there's a lot of kids that grew up in the same neighborhoods or grew up in the same area or had the opportunity to go to Emerald Youth, and they decided not to. They decided to, you know, maybe join a gang instead mm-hmm. or, or or whatever. I mean, because gangs can be in any neighborhood. It can be west, north, south, or east. It doesn't matter. Right. But you chose to go to Emerald Youth. Can you put a finger on here's why I did it rather than not? Was it, mm-hmm. was it the... Was it your grandparents' infl- influence? Or yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, m- my grandfather, um, I- he himself is a, is a U.S. Uh, Navy veteran. Uh, he served more than 30 years in the Navy. Wow. Um, and growing up with him, uh, I mean, that man did, did things for me that I still don't appreciate
0: mm-hmm.
2: that, the way I really should. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because I can't. Even at you know almost thirty years old, I can't fathom the lessons that he was teaching to me so young of an age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know to disappoint him would be i mean it would break my heart, and I've done that. I have disappointed that man mm-hmm. um, and and I've had to tell him I did something I knew would disappoint you. Mm-hmm. And I did that more so as an adult. As a kid, I was I was terrified to do that, terrified. Um, and and that really was it. I said, you know, I always I always had him in the back of my mind, um, growing up. That you know, if I do this, what's Pa gonna say to mm, me? Wow. And uh, you know, I was raised very old-fashioned, very traditional by him and my grandmother. Um, I mean, how many other 30 year olds you know call their grandparents Pa and Ma? <laughs> right.
0: I mean, that's like the little house on the <laughs> prairie right there. <laughs> right. Um, but or that's Andy what, Griffith. Don't that's even. what
2: I called them. I mean, that's still to this day. That's what I called them.
0: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, going back to, to the Emerald Youth days, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I know, and I know, I bet you, Kevin, because I know your, your mom and everything and your, your influence of your family behind you, you. Did you have any doubt of your success in life? I know growing up, I knew I was going to be successful regardless of who was in my path. I used that to springboard my life. But it, I'm just wondering, in your situation, did you ever feel like if it wasn't for Emerald, I wouldn't have made it or I'd turn out differently. Do you have that sense? No, not not at all. Um,
2: I mean Emerald has a lot to do with it. They mm-hmm. kept me out of jail, I'm sure. Which is a life-changing um, event because my my brother and co-owner of our business that we have now, he he spent some time in jail for mm-hmm. some decisions he made uh, both in juvenile and um, almost in, you know, adult version of jail. Uh, so they definitely kept me from there but i will not say that emerald is the sole reason of my success um if if i had to pick a sole reason it's my grandfather Mm -hmm. right um because there there's no way i'm letting that man down um right there there's no way uh and 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 at at that early on point of life he was the sole reason Mm -hmm. uh now You know, I have a wife and kids Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, they kind of have taken that that check in the box, if you will. Right. So it's no longer just him. Now it's him and them.
1: You have Um, other people that you're living for. Um, We have with us in studio Ballard Hall. Uh, We are excited to have him. He is a owner of a business here in Knoxville. He is a veteran. He is um, in studio. We're so thankful for the opportunity to speak to him. Even though he doesn't want to be thanked, we're going to thank him anyway. (laughs) Um, But guys, join us right after these messages right here on the Housing Hour.
0: Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And I have Ballard Hall with us, owner of Custom Concrete and Design and we will have his website, of course, up on thehousinghour.com for all of you to be able to locate him. Um, his website, I went to it <clears throat> this after, or this morning and found it to be very easy, user-friendly. There's a, a great section of, uh, on the about uh, section where you can learn more about Ballard and his brother, Stephen, who he spoke about and learn about their business. Um, and we'll definitely be promoting that for him. Um, but after, uh, before the break, we were talking about Emerald Youth Foundation and Ballard was talking about you know, and I I agree, you can't give credit to any specific thing that caused you to get to where you are today in your life. However, you certainly can say, okay, well, this was a big part of it. This was a big part of it. And like Inky, he gives a lot of credit to his grandmother because his grandmother was there for him. And he says the same thing, you know, I do not want to let my grandmother down, which will, you know, prayers are going up for Inky's grandmother who's in who's having some problems right now. She, she has con, uh, gentle heart failure. But you give credit to your grandfather, and and I understand that completely. Um, and, and it's so good to have people in our lives like that that we can, you know, when we're about to make a bad decision, we think, oh, goodness, what would this person say? So when he was in the military, he said Navy, I think mm-hmm. you said, for 30 years, decorated, I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, long life of service, Um, So at some point after you graduated from Fulton, you were an ROTC, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So the the writing was on the wall. You were were a military guy. You Mm -hmm. had it in your background. Um, You know, not everybody that goes through ROTC or who has a desire to serve their country actually fulfills that dream. You went all the way. Talk a little bit about your experience in the military, why you got in. I mean, there's a lot of things you could talk about there.
2: Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, So not only was my grandfather a veteran, uh, a couple of my uncles are also veterans, uh, and then uh, myself, my brother, and almost every male cousin we have are all military veterans. Uh, Some are still active at this point. Um, My youngest brother is also a Marine veteran, so... uh, with, with the comment the writing was on the wall, um, it really was. Uh, in our family, you do one of two things after high school. You either join the military or you join the military. <laughs> so there's not much of another, you know, there's, there's, there's not much offering, if you will. Um, and, and there could be a whole host of reasons to that. You know, the whole fact that college is ridiculously expensive and nobody wants to pay for it or the fact that, you know, I, and this is my personal belief and opinion, I honestly believe that that there's two there's two types of people that join the military there are the people who are called to serve and so they do and then there are the people who like myself are not only called to serve and do but i believe or were literally like that is the reason god put you on this planet Mm. is you are supposed to do that long term Uh, And I think my grandfather was one of those. And Mm -hmm. I think some of my cousins were one of those. And my brother, Stephen, he's still in the military as a reservist for the United States Army. Um, There are just some people who that is what they, that is their whole life's purpose. And I think I was one of those. Uh, But there's someone else that's very important to this story. Um, a, A man that just, goodness, just needs, I mean, he needs like a street named after him or something. Um, Bill Wrights, uh, he was a, a teacher at Fulton High School. He was actually mm-hmm. one of the ROTC instructors. Wow. Um, he was at Fulton High School, if I'm not mistaking, almost 14 years. Um, he now is retired and lives in Florida and living the dream down there on a boat somewhere. <laughs> but uh, he was a retired Marine Master Sergeant. He spent 22 years in the Marine Corps. Um, when he came here to Knoxville, he had one goal in mind. And that goal was to be an inspirational leader to the youth of whatever school he taught at. And it just so happens to be that Fulton hired him. Hmm. That man has changed so many kids' lives wow. for the better, whether hmm. they ended up joining the military or not. Right. Uh, I mean, I've been out of high school going on... What twelve years now? Um, and there are kids who graduated before me that I still talk to that went through that ROTC program with with we called him top. That's what you call a master sergeant in the Marine Corps is a top. Um, but 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 Bill, he changed kids' lives. Wow! And 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 he knows that because we always remind him. <laughs> uh, Write so that man's name down. I'm Googling it, I'm right, it right now. Please the do. Show. Um, <laughs> I mean I could literally fill this studio up with at least a hundred kids who would who would attest to that that, mm. that he, he personally and his message and, and the way that he just simply cared about his students day in and day out changed their life. Wow. Um, and, and he doesn't get the credit for it and he should. Mm-hmm. but uh, he, he and my grandfather are the main reasons I joined the military. Top is the reason I joined the Marine Corps. okay um top had steve
1: did Stephen didn't get that message oh steven joined the marine corps oh he did okay mm-hmm. so army was the post marine Corps. right yeah gotcha.
2: steven's a marine first good yep
1: um i was wondering about that how that family dynamic with navy army right well our hmm.
2: grandfather wanted everybody to join the navy right obviously and <laughs> right. he wanted right. us all to be a cb like he was obviously sure. um but nobody did that nobody's so. called to do the same <laughs> thing maybe uh so um, I'm the only Marine infantry guy in my family. Um, that was a decision that I made because I called all my cousins and all my younger siblings, and I said, if you join the Marine Corps, that's fine. If you join the infantry, I will beat you. <laughs> um, and I told them not to uh, because sure. even at that point, just you know, a, a menial two years in, mm-hmm. um, I, I knew the infantry was not the place for them. Right. Um, it, it, like I said at the breakfast, it will break your body.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because you end up on the battlefield in Iraq, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There's so many questions I have, and we Mm -hmm. don't have enough time to go through all of them, but um, what's the feeling like when you're sitting there with the enemy, what, half a mile? I don't know how close they were, maybe less?
2: Most most firefights in a combat zone like that are going to be
1: 200 yards or less. Okay, so 200 yards. Mm -hmm. What is a, how old were you, 22? 19. 19? What is, what is the feelings going through a 19-year-old's head when they're sitting there in a firefight? I'm just curious. For the average is it fear? person,
2: it might be fear at first. Um, I can I can honestly tell you I was never afraid.
1: Hmm. Um, maybe had doubts, but I was never afraid. I think were that you afraid that your other guys were going to get injured, that you were going to get injured, or a combination of both?
2: It's definitely a combination of both. Uh, the, the Marine Corps is the only branch of the United States Armed Forces that – impacts the spiritual mentality if you will, of its troops the way that mm. it does
1: um, like the close camaraderie between right, your right. unit
2: yeah absolutely. Mm. Um, so I think I think Marines when they're fighting are less afraid of dying well I don't think I know this we're less afraid of dying and more afraid of letting the, the marine on our left and our right down mm. Wow that that's literally the only th- that's the only thing that goes through your head the whole time you're fighting is where are my guys how are they what am i doing wrong
0: mm. so that they is that training is that something that they instill into you or is this something that you bring into the the right. equation
2: i think it's a little bit of both i do think it's mostly training and what they kind of instill in you from day 1 in boot camp um, but it goes back to what i was just saying a little while ago about you have to be born for that i th- i honestly believe that the right. people The people who, I mean, you got to be some kind of crazy nut, first of all, (laughs) to say I want to join the Marine Corps Infantry. I mean, you do. Uh, It doesn't matter what kind of research you do on it. Um, At the end of the day, the Marine Corps Infantry does one thing, and that's they go kill bad guys. Right. And if you're going to kill a bad guy, chances are the bad guy's trying to kill you too. Right. Um, And so, so you you got to have some kind of mental something going on anyway to even want to do that <laughs> right you
1: know <laughs> well before you before we move on on this topic so i want to tackle this when we get back um we're going to take a break and i think that one of the things that people want to hear about is you know when you were in the midst of that battle and then ultimately did suffer a physical consequence how do you respond to that mm-hmm. i mean that's what I think people want to hear about, because when you suffer a consequence, and we'll talk about the injury you sustained while in Iraq, I'm assuming, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, most people, well, not most people, there are people that might have just given up and said, you know what, I'm just going to not live life anymore, you know, right. and, and you know probably personally people who have died. I know you know people who have died. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more about that and you know, when we get back right here on The Housing Hour.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it again Kevin Ray
1: welcome back into the Housing Hour this is Kevin Ray and I'm your host and I want to thank you for joining us today Um, we're excited about having uh, Ballard Hall in studio with us um, who is a marine veteran um, of eight years. He fought in Iraq. He owns a business here in Knoxville. He is a product of um, great influences growing up. Uh, Bill Wright, who was his top in ROTC at Fulton, who he gives a lot of credit to, and his grandfather as well, who was a 30 year veteran of the Navy. Um, and it, it's really a amazing it's an amazing American story. Certainly, we're grateful and proud that he calls Tennessee home, even though he's a Floridian by trade, if you will, (laughs) and a Florida Gator fan. And when you said that there was a statue that should have been built, and you started to say, or a street, you started to say, Bill, I thought he was going to say Billy Donovan, which I mean, I would have said, no, (laughs) probably not. But that's okay. Um, But um, I respect, that's the thing, I respect not only um, people who who are in our military, I, I respect anyone who Faces adversity and overcomes it in the way that that Ballard has. And, and and Ballard, I I happened to read. I think it was on your Facebook page. It was a poem, maybe, or a. I can't really describe what it was, but it was talking about. Um, is it PT? How does the PTSD? Is that what it is? Right. Yeah. And and you were talking about it being more than just a condition. It's more than just an acronym. Absolutely. And and I think part of that. Experience obviously you have that syndrome I, I would assume, um, correct. And when you were facing those adversities, um, and you lost your leg in in battle, and and you, you talked earlier about not wanting your cousins and your other siblings to go through that, was well, that what you were talking about the the feelings that you had post war that you didn't want them to experience? Is that? Oh no, no. Um,
2: most of them hadn't even graduated high school yet. Okay. Okay. Um, and I hadn't even. I hadn't even sustained injury yet. I um, see. I knew just from you know the workups and, and the training, and, and just the grueling day in and day out that you have to put into being in the infantry to get ready to deploy to a combat zone. Mm. I mean, that was enough for me to know that right. they don't need to do this. They need to do something um, that's not not only going to break their body down so much, but but you know really something that if they only did this for four years and then they got out of the military, they need to have a trade that they can take Mm. to multiple facets of employment. Mm -hmm. The the infantry just isn't that, it really ain't. Unless you're gonna become a police officer, that's really the only thing that, you know. that's why you see a lot of Marine Corps infantry guys become law enforcement officers. That's really the only thing that's applicable Mm. because where else in the civilian population do you need to be trained on hunting people and aiming a gun at them Mm -hmm. other than a police officer? So, you know that that was my biggest concern for everybody who was younger than me, um, is being able to go into the military, do what they want to do, but be able to leave and become even more successful by utilizing the traits that they had learned in the military and applying them into a civilian population.
1: Well, can you talk a little bit about when you sustained the injury, um, you lost your leg? I, I don't know the details and and how much you can tell us or, or for confidentiality or whatever, but can you talk a little bit about what happened?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so there's, there's actually two types of war injuries. Uh, most people are familiar with the kinds that you hear about on the news and the radio and the television where somebody may have got shot or blown up or something like this. Um, I wasn't blown up. I wasn't shot. Uh, my war injury is one that's called, or uh, not called, but is uh, conducive to something called combat stress. Um, there's actually more combat stress related injuries in combat than there are actual enemy inflicted injuries in combat. Mm. And what that means is is that th- basically the the amount of pressure and, and just overall exertion that we put on our bodies in a combat zone mm. um, is enough to, to to make the human body break down. And that's essentially what happened to me. Uh, you know, we would have packs on, you know, go on walking patrols, uh, that lasted eight to ten hours a day through you know multiple towns and cities, and you know was always looking for somebody. Um, you know it's kind of like the Forrest Gump movie if you recall that, where mm. they say he was walking through the jungle looking for whoever Charlie was. Right. <laughs> well, we wasn't looking for Charlie. We knew their names, um, right. but but we were looking for them, and we were you know trying to clear these towns and cities, and 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 you know just make it a better place. Uh, and in doing so, carrying you know well well over sometimes 100 pounds on your back and walking for eight to 10 hours a day, you can imagine how that, you know, will break your body down and stress it out some. Mm. And at the end of the day, my artery uh, behind my left knee uh, basically broke down and blew out. Mm. Um, But I've learned some very, very, very interesting things about the human body in that it did that, but it also healed itself at the same time. And so for almost a year, I didn't even know I had that significant of a problem. Nobody did. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe my leg just hurt, and this actually uh-huh. happened very early on in my in my deployment in 2005. Um, to the point that I went through that entire deployment in significant pain, but thought, you know, well, I'm just being a whiny crybaby. The other guys, I'm sure, are hurting too. I just need to suck it up and go on, and that's exactly what I did. And wow. So I never told anybody. I never did anything. Mm. And then over the course of a year, I mean, if
1: I get a fingernail that's
2: hung, I, I start complaining. You know, over the course of a year, it just obviously got worse, The it, it? You know, probably exacerbates over that time. Sure. Um, and then I got back stateside, and you know, w- finally went and saw somebody. 'Cause got to the point I couldn't even walk to my mailbox. Uh, it was very painful. And um, went and saw somebody, and as usual in medicine, you get misdiagnosed about four times, and then they finally mm-hmm. figured it out. Uh, but when I had my first uh, artery bypass surgery uh, in 2007, um, they said that my artery looked as if it would if somebody they took it out of that was like 80 years old and had smoked for most of their life. Wow! That's how, that's how deteriorated it was. Yeah. Um, I only had about 5% blood flow to my lower portion of my leg for over a year and a half. Uh, so the fact that it didn't mm. die and fall off, I was told is a miracle. Wow. Um, and through that whole process of not knowing that was the problem, I still did my job every day. And, and so, you know, going on hikes, going to the field, training, doing all these things, getting ready for another deployment, you know, all these things. Um, I, was, I was doing that under, you know, this problem that right. I didn't know I had. Wow. And so uh, it, it was pretty grueling. Um, it got to the point I couldn't even hold my son. Uh, that was very difficult for me. Uh, I remember telling my wife in the living room one one morning we lived in North Carolina. I was I was just standing there. I wasn't even moving. I was just standing there holding him, and to stand longer than 20 seconds was excruciatingly difficult. And so, uh, you know, I finally went and saw some folks and ended up um, having a surgery, the one I just uh, alluded to in 2007, and that ended up being one of 28 surgeries over the next two years. Wow,
1: wow. Well, and in, in when when you describe this whole scenario you know because the walking the pressure on your leg the ultimate loss of your leg the amount of sacrifice that you had to make and 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 the thing is that people talk about sacrifice and in your mind and maybe i'm wrong but my brother-in-law is in the army and, and and i feel like he has expressed to me that, just like you, I don't want to be thanked. Look, I was doing my job. I know what I paid for. I know what I was committing to. But you made a sacrifice. And, you know, as you made that sacrifice, the thing that kept ringing true in my ear is that America's great. Mm-hmm. America is really great because we have people like yourself. And I don't think you would um, say that there's not... Dozens and dozens and hundreds of other people just like you. Oh, absolutely. There you are. And, yep. and, and that's what inspires me because, you know, your story is echoed through this country amongst many other walks of life. And, and, and America brought that to be. Um, do you mind if I read just a couple sentences from your poem that you wrote? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, this is really a profound, I think. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a couple of um, little sentences um, that, that he wrote. Um, It's a life that very few choose, even fewer make it through. For those that do, we live each day with the memories that won't go away. Like the dawn of a new day, the sun shines on a dreary canvas of thoughts. To each its own, these feelings are strong and cause a lot of disarray. These feelings of loss and incompleteness will never be submerged. Your confusion of our illusion is just your own delusion. See, we are not the ones on the edge, for we have already fought. You are for you're afraid of what was done in defense of sovereignty. If you are worried about this mindset, know that it is okay. It won't change, and we're fine with that. Sometimes to cope is to hold in what we can no longer be let out. Fear of fear is what causes all doubt. The light of a new day may be on the horizon. Our memories of what we are just as surprising. When we lose what we held the closest, We become our own emotion. It eats away like the lion catching his prey. There is no doubt our lives change. Who are you to judge why? Freedom is free, but you didn't pay. The best way to help. Never leave our side. Stand by us each and every day. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's hard to even read Mm -hmm. because it's so expressive. And that's a fantastic tribute to what... I think a lot of people feel when they come back from combat or any line in the military, you described it very well and you go on to talk about PTSD and, and while we can't just look at it as a four letter acronym, it's more than that. Right. And when we get back, we only have one segment left. We're going to hit on um, end our conversation with that and then also talk just briefly about custom concrete and design. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Housing Hour. We want to thank you guys and also thank Ballard. And go into Facebook right now and and go to Custom Concrete and Design and like his Facebook page. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. We'll be right back.
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it again Kevin Ray the we could be the generation finally breaks the chains we made to be
1: welcome back into the housing hour and I think that for me this is Ballard's theme song I and mean, I think of what he's been through and standing up when the world would have totally been okay with you standing down and he fought through and I'm sure you still have consequences as a result of your time and we could have a whole show about that you know Um, because life is not perfect you spoke very eloquently about that at the breakfast I mean we are humans we don't do life perfectly but um, you've been able to push through Um, you are a a true American um, and I tell you your spirit is strong and you know, talk if you don't mind in the remaining moments. If you don't mind, we don't have much time. But um, just how you transitioned from life in the Marines to civilian life, got married, and now are living the American dream—own uh, own your own business and so forth—and and really, we only have like two minutes. But
2: right, um, so. Before I say any of that, I do want to say two things. Uh, I understand that this show is somewhat about the 4th of July and, and, the, and the, the freedom to have independence, but I, I want to make it clear that um, true freedom uh, comes through Jesus Christ, and I, I honestly Amen. believe that. Amen. Um, it's taken me a long time to even get that myself, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I've made my fair share of mistakes. I am not perfect. I've broken a lot of hearts I shouldn't have, um, and so I'm still on my own personal journey mm. of, of learning how to love others the way that he loved us. Mm. Um, and, and that's all I try to do every day. And, uh, I'm actually getting baptized this Sunday. Oh, awesome. Um, so, Where? Uh, at One Life. That's uh, awesome. In Powell. So, um, everybody pray for me on that one, but. Is that Rodney Arnold? Yes. Is the pastor? Yep. Yeah. Good man. Um, so, uh the way we the way our business got founded is simply my brother like i said joined the marine corps as a combat engineer Mm -hmm. and so being a structural engineer for going on almost uh you know 10 years now um he had that background and experience and then when top was our school teacher top was also a a basically general manager for a place out in uh, granger county called river ranch it's a huge equestrian center and he hired some of his students me being one of them as ranch hands Uh, when the ranch was originally bought there was nothing on it but a barn. Now, there's three riding arenas and, and thousands and thousands of fence line and all kinds of wow. horse shelters and things of this nature. Well, me, Stephen, and a bunch of our high school buddies built that. Wow. Um, so that was our first professional job in construction, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I just I, I got a love from it from there. Um, and, then again, our granddad, a Navy CB, mm-hmm. that's basically a general contractor for the Navy. So I grew up around people using their hands mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, but me and Steven said, well, we want to do something that can impact our community, but we don't really want to kill ourselves doing it. We've done that already, mm-hmm. um, and so what we do now is just concrete overlays and resurfacing. It's it's laborious. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's n- it's not an easy, easy job, but it's not like building a house. Right. And so that's uh, that's what we do.
1: And you have a unique kind of line of work because it you know you offer a, a variety of if you want designs i mean you can get oh, yeah. pretty deep into it right
2: yeah we could i mean we can i mean literally it's as, it's as easy as you show me a picture of i like this um, right. any color i mean we have over a thousand color options um, we can do any pattern uh, me and steven are very abstract artistic people mm-hmm. um, we can do any pattern you
1: obviously over. have a creative mind because that poem was awesome
2: Yep, or we can just simply do plain Jane. Some right. people like that, and we're sure. okay with that. Um, so we have. And there's
0: a great gallery section on his website, oh, Concrete2, the number two design.com. Yes, and we'll have that Perfect. up on the housing yeah. hour as mm-hmm. well.
1: Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time. We only have 40 seconds left, but um, Ballard, it's been a great uh, hour, unbelievably. It's already passed. Um, thank you on behalf of Mortgage Investors Group here, definitely, me and Mark for sure. And I'm sure many, many Americans thank you for your service and for your sacrifice and, most importantly, for just being someone who is willing to share their story.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me today.
1: Absolutely. And we hope to have you back with Bill, um, your top hopefully in the future, we can talk to him and learn more about um, what he does. So thank you guys for joining us on the housing hour today. Please share this show with friends and family. We'll have it up on our site, and we'd love for you to go there and do that. Thank you again. On behalf of Mark, my co-host, Kevin Ray here, and Mortgage Investors Group, we'll see you next time. Happy July 4th, everybody.
0: That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors.